the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends, and yes, indeed, it's time for the Align with Zion Hour, which we do the last Saturday of every month. Anarina Hyman, how are you? Hi, Kev. Shalom from Jerusalem. We're doing well. We're doing well. This is one of those unusual months where, you know, you kind of got to dig deep and find the moral conviction and stand by it because there's a lot of uh, false voices uh, yelling at you on one side or the other. So we're now closing Hanukkah and entering into this uh, challenging month called Tevet. Um, yes, as you just mentioned that we are at the end of the month um, of Kislev and we know that Hanukkah goes two days, three days, two days into um, the month of Tevet, which is very important. Everything is always placed very specifically and meticulously um, by God uh, for a very specific reason, and we're gonna we're gonna try and figure that out. So today, um, as this uh, as we are record, well, actually, when it's broadcasted, um, it will be lament. It will be the the, the last day of of Kislev, and then the day um, after that on the Sunday uh, will start the the new month of Tevet. So we are definitely in a very, very uh, special time. So let's just recap uh, what Hanukkah is. Um, it means that by the time this is being broadcasted, we've been a good um, six days into into the festival itself. And I'm sure that our Christian listeners um, have seen many times the Jewish people lighting the candles and putting it out um, in the window for display. There's a reason for that. It has to be done like that. Um, we have spoken about the fact that it's the festival of light. We are drawing light into the world in this festival. It is in the darkest hour of the season also that we start drawing um, light down into this world. Um, I have a very special routine myself during Hanukkah where I sit in front of my candles and I have a list of things that I really... Um, would like to see um, and uh, receive from from Hashem, from God. I call it my miracle list. Um, And every year I make that list. And um, what is important for that is uh, uh, we cannot manipulate God. Um, Your list has to be... um, something that can actually that, that actually works with with god's plan but there are breakthroughs that we are all waiting for and we use uh, this time i use this time very specifically to ask for these breakthrough miracles because it's the time of miracles so that's um us drawing the the light down um it's also the time that we say, if you know the story, um we discussed the story previously so the listeners can go to the podcast 
um, on my site um, and they can just uh, listen to what we've discussed already. But we know that this was a massive fight of the weak against the strong. The Jewish people were subdued and they had to stand up against um, this Greek force that, that tries to, 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 to veer them and steer them into a complete different direction. It is the few against the many. It is the holy against the impure. We also know that um, and the Greeks uh, uh, sacrificed a pig and the blood was taken into the temple. They, uh, they, they erected a whole uh, god, an idol, Zeus uh, or Jupiter, all of that happening at Temple Mount and then the priests came and they fight for that. So it was literally a fight for light. Yes. It, was the, it, was the, what, it was the pure light against what was the Greeks offered as a some kind of light. Yes. Um, they also believe that there is some kind of light, and that's why you will see that the people living in that, uh, those times, the Jewish people that did not stick to their Jewish, um, to, to, to the covenant and the Jewish faith, they were called Hellenists because they started to move into the more the Greek culture. And Helen, the, the, the Greek um, means actually some kind of life, some kind of enlightenment. And many times we see in the world that the world gets lost in the philosophy of things, um, into um, all the rights, all the sciences, and they do not understand, but there is something higher than all these things. Yes. And that is God. There is one God, and He stands above all these things. But the moment when we come into, when we only see philosophy or science, um, as, as, as really uh, what is steering the world, um, that's when you become enlightened with the wrong light. Yes. And that's why the Jewish people fought so hard to, to, to bring back the service of the temple, of worshipping God as one, um, the way that he has made his covenant from, from the beginning. Yes. We also saw, Kaz, uh, that the guy that was leading all of this uh, was Antiochus, uh, Epiphanes, or he's called Antiochus the Wicked. Um, his name self means God made manifest. And all of that happened in this time when he came and he started to mess around with things. We also said that um, um, Greek, uh, the, uh, in, in Hebrew, <laughs> Greek and Hebrew, that's quite funny. Greek and Hebrew <laughs> is actually um, Yavan, and Yavan is the murkiness. It's a murkiness that comes when um, you are walking in very shallow water and the, the ground that's being, the, the, the dust particles that are being mixed into the water makes things murky. Yes. And we're going to talk about that in one of the next um, sections, Cass, where we're going to discuss how, what happened. Why do things get murky when the, uh, when the Greeks are, uh, arrived? That's a very so, good point. You know, one of the things that we, strikes me, yeah. before you jump on, let me just jump in here and, uh, mm. Stir your waters a little bit. You you had a clear clear water there, and Kaz jumps in and he causes a stir. Anyway, <laughs> you know it reminds me of a scripture. We're we're talking about the false light versus the uh, great light, the the Correct. Lord of all creation. It reminds me of a scripture that says the the people that dwell in dark darkness shall see a great light. The ch- the challenge for these people that are that are they're looking, they're so easily tricked by things that are artificial. And not real. And so what, what I think God wants us to do is he, he doesn't want us to be ignorant. Uh, he wants us to be able to say, you know, 
this is the time frame when you're going to get false promises, lies that sound so good that are, you know, 95% true and 5% error, and that 5% error can get you. He's, he's telling us right now, this is the season to have that great wisdom, and to, it's, it's easier to be wise when you know the creator of the universe than if you don't and you're trying to fake it. So I think his call to us is, get to know me, this is the time to dig on into me, and I'll show you what the real light is. Go ahead, Anna Reedy. Correct. Correct, Cass. And, and, and the, the best way to do that is, as we, we know in Proverbs 3, verse 15, it says, acknowledge him in your way so that he will make your way straight and stick close to the word of God. It is a lamp unto your feet. And we can see that in the light that we, we're discussing here right now. So absolutely correct uh, for us to, to keep on um, uh, making sure that we are anchored in, in these things. So also, um, when we light these candles, um, cast on the first day, it's one candle. On the second day, it's two candles, three. So by the time when we get to eight, it, it's a very strong light. And, and that's very, very important um, because we are now literally this transition from the month of Kislev into the month of Tibet, uh, which is the darkest of months, and we will discuss that and why. So we are literally drawing that light right into the next month so that we can pour that light into the darkest like um, place. And it's interesting. It's not because of the sun. It, it, it's in a, in, it, it, this is got nothing to do with the planets. Well, it's, it's a dark time, but it's not the light um, of the season that's coming. It, it is us partnering with God, lighting like candles it. here, pushing that into the darkness. Um, that's what we do. So that's very important, and we will discuss a little bit of this, um, this uh, pushing this and pulling this light into Tibet. And I just want to finish with this, Kaz. Um, um, we as a Jewish people, you will always see that we put this menorah that we're lighting, it has to be in the window. We have to advertise the miracle. Um, that being being uh, very important to show the people that miracles happen to the Jewish people in this time. If you come to Israel, you will see that um, we have the Great Synagogue. The Great Synagogue is a massive, massive building. Um, and people will go, why would you build such a big building um, for, for a synagogue? Usually for the Jewish people, um, wherever you are in the world, the synagogues are small. And um, in previous uh, centuries ago, it would be small. You would, would not even know where it is um, because we were lived in the nations. But yes. now that we are back in our country and we can stand for who we are and our belief and our covenant with God, we are showing that to the world. And yes. that's exactly what, um, what, what, what Hanukkah is also about. We, in every generation, there has been some kind of empire that wanted to destroy the Jews. Yes. Those empires do not exist anymore. The Jewish people stand by the grace of God, by, by his love and his covenant, his eternal covenant with us. And that is what we advertise when we put the candles in the window for the world to see. Thank you. We're going to change gears a little bit. We're going to stay with the theme of light because that is uh, a, a message that you present during the times of extreme darkness and this month of Tevet. We're going to talk about that and God's plans for us to use that as a stepping stone instead of stumbling block. So Anarina Hyman and I will be right back. 
This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. And we're back on Arena Chaim, Align with Zion, alignwithzion.com. You know, this month is really uh, one of the darkest, most challenging months in the natural. This is the time where, you know, it's uh, rain and things are going on underground. But it's, it's also a month in the spiritual. If you look at the biblical calendar, Tibet is a month of challenge. It's a month where darkness uh, is fighting against light. So it's our challenge to have the right heart attitude. Tevet, the 10th month of the Hebrew calendar, with me on Arena Hyman to make sense of everything I just said. <laughs> on Arena. <laughs> okay, so let's, let me break it down for you guys. Okay. Um, yes, Tevet is a very difficult month, and we will see why, because it is the start of a very difficult cycle. Um, in the history of the Jewish people, uh, and we will discuss that in the, right now and also in the next segment. Uh, and we have to see how this Hanukkah, and we're finishing now with Hanukkah that we've now pulled through into the first two days of Tibet, and let's see why that is so important. And if the listeners can go with us to Psalm 30, yes. uh, we can see a little bit of a hint into why this is so important. So I'm going to hear Kaz, I'm going to read the first um, verse and the uh, first two verses and the last verse. It says here a Psalm of David, Mismo Shil Hanukkah Habayt Le David. Hanukkah Habayt. So it is the dedication of the house, and you can hear the word Hanukkah there because um, Hanukkah actually means the dedication of the house or any kind of dedication. So Hanukkah Habayt means the dedication of the house. And then it goes on and it says here, um, I extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and not let my enemies rejoice over me. And that's exactly what happened in the story of Hanukkah um, when, when, when God um, granted us the victory over our enemies, um, over the Greeks. And then we go um, to the last part. The listeners are welcome to read um, all of this. But it says here in verse uh, 12, you turned my lament into dancing. Oh. You undid my sackcloth and girded me with joy, that my whole being might sing hymns to you endlessly. Oh, Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. We just spoke about, before we started the interview, Kaz, you and I spoke about um, um, singing to God, praise and worship and all that. Now, now this is where you can see it. The, the, the Hanukkah by the dedication of the house, that brings about this turnaround. And I'm sure that the listeners also know that we have the dreidels that we spin. Um, Hanukkah is not Hanukkah if we don't have those uh, little dreidels that we spin every um, during during the festival as well, yes. and that that brings about also a spiritual turnaround, and 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 we are turning around. We are bringing the light into the darkest month. We are turning it into the light. So a very very important dynamic that we have here. That is Psalm 30, Hanukkah by the dedication of the house. So now, Kath, I just want to. Uh, speak a little bit about the month of Tevet and why it was the catalyst or the starting point of some really bad 
cycles that happened um, in the past with the Jewish people. Now, we've discussed this already. We know that in Zechariah 8, it speaks of the full fast. It speaks of the fast in, in Zechariah 7 as well. And in, uh, it says that they are full fasts. Uh, and it, it mentions it there as well. So, so this cycle of these full fasts, and we will look at it a little bit uh, later, we will just go through them again, started in this month. And... Um, the, the main fast that we are fasting in Tibet is the, uh, the fast of the tenth of Tibet. But actually, two things happened before that. We are actually, there are actually people that are fasting the eighth, the ninth, and the tenth because we have something that led up to the tenth there. So, so let's just look um, into that. The first one. Um, on the 8th, we have the translation from the Torah, from Hebrew into Greek. On the 9th, we have the death of Ezra, the Nehemiah, Nehemiah. And on the 10th, we have the main fast, and that is where Jerusalem, the city of cities, um, was besieged uh, by the Babylonians. So let's just look into the uh, first one of these, and that's on the 8th of the vet was the translation from Hebrew into Greek. And you remember, Kat, that we spoke about this, that we said um, the word Greek in the Hebrew language is uh, pronounced Yavan, and it means murky. What happened on this day? On this day, Ptolemy, um, one of the four successors from Alexander the Great, I think, um, yes, if yes. you guys can remember a little bit of the history, Alexander, um, his whole kingdom split into four. And one of these successors, um, who was at that stage ruling over Israel, uh, told the Jewish people that he wants the Torah to be translated into Greek. Yes. He put a, a 72 biblical scholars in different rooms and he said, all of you, on your own, I want you to translate the five books of the Torah. Um, and, and it was a miracle in itself because there are so many depths within the Torah itself that to, to really translate it exactly the same and all of them to the T exactly the same translated it and they had to navigate through very difficult places in the Torah that the world outside wouldn't have understood um, and they could have lost their lives if they translated it in the you know, um, in, 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 in a different way. So 72 scholars had to do that. And yes. we spoke about this case. We said that the alphabet, the, the Hebrew al um, alphabet, every letter is a world in itself. Put the letters together, put it into um, sentences, and you have a multidimensional universe. It is through the letters that God created the world. And now suddenly this multidimensional universe yes, has been to be truncated. diluted. Yes, yes, yes. Pardon me for jumping in, but uh, it, it's something that is just so clear to me. We talked in the er yeah. earlier segment about the, uh, um, the, the, the there's a attempt using lesser light or less qualified light to take the place of a, right. a brighter light. Well, literally, this is really what's happening here. I've had an opportunity, you know, as a student of Scripture, to dig into the Hebrew and dig into the Greek. And as you say, the, 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 the depth of the Hebrew language is incomparable. Mm -hmm. And when you try to define it with, with the, the, uh, the, the Greek words, while the Greek words were more understandable to the, the broader brushstroke of people across 
the Correct. world, the the Hebrew language, uh, each letter has a greater degree of depth. So it's kind of like taking a flashlight when you really need to have a thousand watt bulb. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Tremendous light that was diminished to something very, very weak in, 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 in a sense, Kaz. And, and that set the stage for what happened during Hanukkah. Because at that stage, um, because this, this, this diminished light, this light was diminished, people couldn't see spiritually correctly the way that it was supposed to be. And that's how we then got the deviation of the Hellenists when it came to um, later on, a, few, uh, a century or so later, um, when it came to the, 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 the Hanukkah story. But, Chad, what you just said, and I want to finish with this here, there was... Some there was the goodness of God you can always see in any situation, even in the most traumatic, um, chaotic situation. But there is some kind of method in all of this. And if it wasn't for this translation, the world wouldn't have known the Torah. They wouldn't have been able to to, to read it and to understand at least the entry levels of these things. So, so, so in, in every difficult situation that we go through, there is always a lifeline that God throws out for the, for the greater good. And right now, we can see so many Christians um, wanting to learn Hebrew again because now the time has been opened up for, for people to come back into the Hebrew roots, to understanding the depths again. It's as if the world is now um, delving into the depths of Hebrew again. Yes. So we are doing that rectif- uh, um, uh, resuscitation and rectification of, of the Torah. Right I, can tell, I can tell you, Honorina, uh, I, you know, I'm not a big student yet of Hebrew language. I try, but I'm, you know, I, my Bible is a King James Version, but here, here's what I've decided as I've discovered this. I've kind of dug deeply into this. And uh, uh, even even though some of the areas that uh, have Greek influence, I know by the bulk of the consistency of Scripture, even if it was maybe misquoted from the very best Hebrew, when you get 10 verses throughout the Old Testament that all imply the same thing, you go, well, there certainly is a message here, and then you, it forces you to dig deeper, and then, then you go, even, sure. even the people who translated this, uh, they didn't get it fully wrong, and there's enough light in there to lead you in the right direction. So where you may use one, one verse to Perfect. say, here's, here's what it means, I have to take three or four verses in the, in the Tanakh, and I go, okay, well, there's the common denominator. So, so that's what I get from it, and you're right. It has led me into this revelation as well. Well, we're out of time in this segment. We have so many different things to talk mm-hmm. about, and we'll have to uh, deal with those in the next segments. But, my friends, I know you, you're seeing that uh, this whole month of Tevet has great depth. It has great darkness, but we even within that darkness is a value of light to be discerned as well. So Anarina and I will talk more about this when we come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. K-Praise. 
This is Rob Stark, pastor of Lampladder Revival Center. There is a time and a season we're entering right now where the new wine is being released and we all get to drink of it. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Cass Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. Back again in the third segment of Come Together San Diego and Align with Zion and the Align with Zion Hour with Anarina Hyman. We talked about the three consecutive fast days. We spent most of our time talking about the first day, the eighth day, uh, and that was the time representative of the Hebrew being translated into Greek. We spent a lot of time talking about that, and we have yet to talk about in greater depth the ninth and 10th fast day and their spiritual significance. Honorina? Uh, thanks, Kat. So we mentioned briefly about the, the three days. Uh, it was now the translation from Hebrew into Greek. Uh, and then we mentioned also on the 9th was the death of uh, both Ezra, um, the prophet, and uh, Nehemiah. Now, the listeners will remember from biblical history that these were the people that came back from Babylon after the destruction, and they came to... To, to rebuild the temple again, but the first thing that they had to do was that they had to rebuild the walls. It was a 52-day period, and we can remember that there, um, they were politicized so much also, um, um, trying to stifle their work, and they built literally with sword in the one hand and um, stone and a brick in the other hand, and that's how they rebuilt the walls in a 52-day period. So, um, also a connection here, but what we want to really go into is the main fast that we have on the 10th of the 10th, um, the 10th of the 10th month, the 10th of the vet, and that was when Jerusalem was besieged. Now, just before we get into that, Cass, speaking about walls, we know that ultimately um, the prophecies also says that Jerusalem won't be needing any walls anymore in the future in the time of peace because God promises in Zechariah 2, um, I know that in my Bible, according to the Hebrew, numbering it is um, Zechariah 2 verse 9, I think um, in the Christian Bible it would be verse 5, but it says there, and I myself, declares the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around it, and I will be the glory inside of it. So we are looking forward to the days when God himself will be a wall of fire around Jerusalem, um, as we only now have the, 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 the stone walls that, that needs to keep the city safe. Yes. And, and, and what, uh, what a beautiful hope to have. Um, also, you know, when you get into computers and everything, there's always this firewall that you have to install. Um, otherwise, the virus <laughs> is not yes, yes, yes. And they actually, they got it from that idea. They, they got it from the Bible, the, the, the idea of the firewall. So, so we my, are my. all um, very familiar with that. But my, I want to get before, you, to, before you jump in, and my listening friend, I want you to pay sure. close attention to, to Honorina, what she's saying. She's saying n- literal, natural things, but to also spiritual things. But I want you to extrapolate this, some of the things that are going on in Israel right now, some of the things that are going on in the United States right now about wall building or protection and uh, the enemy coming in to negatively influence and use false light. I want you to relate this to the times of today as well, because uh, the creator 
says that, that these times, can they, they fold in upon one another. So I want you to understand that the things that happened back then and that the honoring is talking about in Scripture are also applicable to right now. And sometimes you have to just discern exactly what that means. But I think you're on the right track. Honorina. <laughs> so, Kaz, um, I want to get into the, the besiegement of Jerusalem. And that's yes. um, the first time when uh, Jerusalem was besieged was by the Babylonians uh, with Nebuchadnezzar. So what happened there? And I want to give you a little bit of an idea what is, uh, what is what the weight of this was. So we have Jeremiah um, 38, if the listeners want to go there. And in this time... Uh, do some order in the times of Isaiah, things were still going okay. In the times of Jeremiah, that's it. Um, the, the line is drawn, and Jeremiah says um, the city will be taken. So he goes and he tells people about this, and it sort of goes like this Jeremiah comes um, to President Trump, and he says to him, President uh, Putin <laughs> is coming from Russia, and he is going to take. Washington, D.C. You have to evacuate Washington, D.C., and all the people will go to Russia. From there, the rest of the people will also be exiled to Russia. What would you think about a guy like this? Here comes Jeremiah. He's a prophet. What he says happens, and he says something weighty like that. Um, It's always easy to, to read the biblical accounts because it's very far away from you. For the Jewish people, it's a little bit different because Absolutely. that's our history to the, um, to the T. But, but many times people just read it because that's some kind of biblical history. But that's actually what happened is that he came to the king and he said to him, if you guys do not evacuate, if you do not give yourselves over to the Babylonians, um, Terrible things will happen. He also said to that Zedekiah or Zedekiah, if you do not give yourself over, King, the last thing that you will see is the death of your sons. We know at the end that Zedekiah tried to escape. They caught him. They took him and his sons to Babylon. They killed his sons in front of him, and then they took out his eyes, exactly like Jeremiah um, um, prophesied. But something interesting that I just want to show the readers that I think that they will really, really appreciate here, um, Kaz, is in the beginning of the the, the chapter of 38, it speaks of uh, four guys. It says there, Shefteyao ben Matan, Gedalia ben Pashul, Yuchal ben Shalemiyao, and Pashul ben Malchiyao. Four guys decided that they're going to shut Jeremiah up now because they don't want to hear these things. So they throw him into a pit. The readers, uh, the listeners can go and read the rest of the uh, of the, the the chapter there. But these two of these um, four guys that we read here, Kaz, where you and I stood in the palace area and the governmental area when you came to visit the city yes. of David, in that area, Elat Mazar found two seals during um, the archaeological excavations, and on them written exactly these names, these names that you see in the, uh, in the biblical narrative here, Gedalia ben Pashul, Yuchal ben Shalemiyao, Two guys mentioned in the Bible, their seals, right there where we stood, um, found. Um, so if we have uh, UNESCO, which is the World Heritage Foundation, that wants to tell us, Jew and Christian alike, that there is no connection between Bible and Jerusalem, there is no history there, 
then this is what we show them and we say, how do you explain this? How do you explain the names written there? Um, very important for, for anybody that would like to do advocacy, uh, speak about Israel, speak about uh, the validity of the Bible. This is what you need to, to hold on to um, when you speak to people like this. But more than that, uh, let's just move on to uh, the end uh, I just also want to, to, to mention this about the seals. These seals are made of very soft clay. They are supposed to uh, seal a contract, but after 500 years or something like that, they will disintegrate. We're talking about 2,800 years. How was it possible for these seals to survive? And the only way, if you know um, um, a pottery class, if you do pottery, what is the last phase in, in pottery? Well, you um, put them in the kiln them. and you heat them up and, and you solidify them. And, uh, and you bake them. <laughs> and you bake Correct. them. <laughs> and, and what happened and in Jerusalem? They got baked. <laughs> that's it. I call it a very bittersweet uh, moment, Cass, because it was tremendous. It was the destruction. It was the tremendous heat of the destruction of Jerusalem that baked these seals and hardened them in order for us to find them. So even out of the most tragic moment comes a, a, a message of hope for us to say, keep on digging. You guys are I, I, in the right spot. I, I guess you could say he gave us beauty for ashes. That, that's exactly that. There you go. And there's a compass in this, and there is something that calls you to move, keep on moving forward. So, Kat, let's just go to the uh, to the end of this chapter because this is very important for me as well. And we will take it into the next um, segment, and we will finish it there. Um, you will see that in verse 28, it says, Jeremiah remained in the prison compound until the day Jerusalem was captured. And then usually that's where the translation uh, finishes for most of the um, uh, Bible and biblical translations. But in the Hebrew, it says it twice. It goes on and it says again when Jerusalem was captured. So whenever you see this in, in, in Hebrew, when God states something twice, when something is written twice, the same thing in the Bible, that's when you know that there's something very important going on here. And this is where we understand that the nucleus, the place that plays such a, a, a key part in the way that God governs his world, this place was um, destroyed. And for 2,000 years, the Jewish people have been praying to return to it. Like Daniel, we faced it three times a day. We faced Jerusalem wherever we were in the world, hoping that we will come back. And it is in our generation, Karis, yours and I, mine, where we can stand where we actually stood and we could uh, stand where, where most people um, could only hope and pray for. That's right. So Jerusalem is so important. My listening friend, I hope you understand the urgency of the times. Honorina has shared this with you, and Scripture has given us a lot of uh, uh, education so that we can comprehend and properly deal with the urgency of these times. And this 10th month, the month of Tibet, is a, a directive for us to understand the things, the contrary things that are coming on, the darkness that's coming on. We're going to talk uh, more about this and kind of put a, we're talking about the word seal. We're going to put a seal on it in the last segment. <laughs> oh, when Arena and I come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. 
Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. We're back again with the final segment of the Align with Zion Hour. And Honorina Hyman and I have been talking about this 10th month in the Hebrew calendar. This is the month of Tevet. It's a month uh, where there's filled with challenges and an opportunity to us to uh, experience the value of God's light in the midst of all this darkness. And I'm going to hand this over to Honorina so that she can uh, put a period at the end of this sentence. This is the close of the four segments of this Align with Zion Hour. And I'm going to let Honorina have her way. There you go, Honorina. Thank you, Kaz. Let's just uh, try to make um, order um, out of everything that we just said. Um, we, we spoke about um, the, the, the fast, the full fast. So let's just try to put it in into perspective. So the whole thing started in Tibet on the 10th month with the besiegement. That first fast. And then three and a half years later, on the 17th of Tammuz, we had the breaching of the walls. Exactly three weeks after that, on Tishabi Av, we spoke about that fast specifically. We had the burning of the temple, the house of God that burned right into the tent. And, and also just um, reminded to the listeners that both temples, the first temple and the second temple, burned down on this specific date of the 9th of Av. Wow, and wow, then we wow. have one more we have one more fast, and that is it happened actually on Rosh Hashanah, on the beginning of the year, but we're only fasting it two days after that because you can't have a festival and a, a fast on, on both. But Gedalia, the, the last governor of Israel, was murdered on that day, and that's why we call it the fast of Gedalia. So in a three-and-a-half-month uh, period, we had the teachment, the breaching of the walls, the burning of the house, and then the last um, uh, governmental official um, being exiled, uh, killed, and the rest of the people exiled. Now, Cass, if, if we look at these things, we can see even in the Syrian exile, when the t- 10 tribes were exiled, it happened in phases. Also with the Babylonian, it happened in phases. What does this tell us? In the days coming, in the times of redemption, in phases, like the dawn growing stronger, we will see the people return also in stages. And we also, if you look into the history of Aliyah, of the Jewish people returning, the immigration back into Israel, you can see that we have specific waves of the Jewish people coming in. Um, so we are seeing exactly the opposite happening in the times of redemption that we live in right now. So, so that's basically... Um, how we can see the promise of Zechariah 8 where God says these four fasts will turn into feasts for you in the times coming. I also just want to touch on the importance again here of Jerusalem cares. Why is this so important? Why is this fast so important? Because we, we're talking here about the destruction, the beginning of the destruction of Jerusalem. And I, we've, we've covered this before. It's just a reminder to the listeners. If you go with me to Zechariah, you will see um, in, in three chapters this, this returning theme all the time. In Zechariah 1, God sends out the... Um, um, the horsemen, they come back, they say the world is at peace, God says he's not happy. 
um, he says um, it's time for 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 um, showing favor to Jerusalem, and you can see that at the end of and I'm speaking from the numbering from the Hebrew Bible in verse 17, God says, "For the Lord will again come Zion, and He will choose Jerusalem again." In the, in the second chapter, we have exactly the same thing. We have at the end of my chapter, according to, again, I know that there's a discrepancy here in the numbering um, in the Christian Bible, mm-hmm. but there is at the end of this chapter, it says, be silent all flesh before the Lord because he has roused himself from his holy habitation. There's something that is moving God to go into the days that we are living in to move um, into the world. And what is that? You just have to jump one verse back and it says there because God chooses Jerusalem yes, yes. again. Yes. And then in the third chapter, again, we have the Satan that comes and accuses um, the high priest and saying you're not going to make it, um, you, you're not wearing the right clothes, you're not doing the correct thing, and God rebukes the Satan at that point, and he does it in the name of the one that chooses Jerusalem. Amen. So Jerusalem... <laughs> Jerusalem plays a massive, pivotal role in the redemption process. Yes. And that's why I would like to invite the listeners to at least acknowledge this fast of the besiegement because we, as it was tied into the negative times of the fast, we are now only through discussing this care. We are untying that. We are moving with God into the times when the fast will move into the in the feast yes, yes. my friends um, do, do you realize what's going on here the things that were written in the holy scripture listen to this they're happening today i'm just reading through zechariah chapter eight near the near the end in in my bible it's chapter uh eight verses 22 and then i'm going to skip down to the last uh portion of uh, 23 listen just listen to this it says Yea, many people and many nations shall come to Jerusalem, and they shall pray before the Lord. And then at the very end it says, this is their quote that says, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. There's a, that's happening on Arena in a big, big way. I mean, where, where there's real, real darkness, there's also uh, a, a great light and People of the nations are seeing this light coming from Jerusalem and Israel, and there's a comprehension. They have embedded in their heart an, a, 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 an expectation for God to do stuff, and all of a sudden, that stuff that's being done is happening through Israel and Jerusalem, and the nations, many people in these nations are getting that light going, going off in their head, going, oh, we need to align with what God is doing in Israel and Jerusalem uh, because... Uh, you know, we will go with you, Israel, as a result of that, because we have heard that God is with you. God is with you. That's remarkable. Of course, the bad oh, guy is doing counterintelligence and negative things as well. But out of that darkness comes the great light. Remarkable, Honorina. Thank you, Gus. And, and, and with that, I just want to, seeing that we are in the line with Zion Hour, and we're <laughs> discussing all these things, I, I, I want to really challenge and encourage the listeners and ask them um, to to do exactly what the Jewish people have been doing for 2,000 years, but what Daniel, it's biblical when, when, we say, when I say this, 
when Daniel faced, and he faced the lion's den because of this, because he opened his window up to Jerusalem and he aligned himself three times a day mm. with Jerusalem. Let's make that acknowledgement, because if the enemy does want to come and he wants to do it, can you imagine the force that can be released if you pray and you, you, you align yourself during your prayers with Jerusalem? If every biblical believer and do that and acknowledge the power of Jerusalem and her role in the times of redemption and we can all face Jerusalem um, that, that, that's going to be a force that's going to be very difficult for any, any enemy to try to dismantle. Yes. So to stand together with, with us and at least Know where Jerusalem is from your house. Know where Jerusalem is because it is prophetic that in that direction the things are going to start happening. So align with us, wow. um, with the most precious place um, on earth. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. My, my listening friend, I hope you're encouraged by what you're hearing here. You, you know, it, because we pre-taped this Broadcast. It's hard to know what is exactly happening on this literal day, but I can tell you one thing for sure. There is a great deal of turbulence in Israel in dealing with elections and uh, government. Guess what? A great deal of turbulence going on in the United States right now dealing with uh, politics and the government as well. We just have to know that within all this, God has embedded his strategy for success and uh, the brightness of his glory so uh, take heed that God ha- is still in control. One minute to close it down on Arena. Lay it on us. Thank you, Kat. So in our next se- um, session, we will discuss uh, the, the month of Shvat. And, and it is also uh, a beautiful message of hope. Just as we know that the fasts are going to turn into feasts, we are going to start feeling the lifting of the, the intense darkness that, that, that of the months, the seasonal months that we are in. And we're going to start seeing the almond blossoms. We're going to start seeing in the midst of winter, we're going to already see that, that, that the almonds are blossoming. So I'm looking forward to discuss that with you guys um, in the next session. So keep on, keep on. We, within this darkness, if we can just learn how to harness God's work within the darkness and we can draw in the light, then we're good to go for the months to come. Yes, yes, yes. My listening friend, I hope you're encouraged and enthused. Uh, Many of you who listen say that you are. You love this uh, Align with Zion Hour and Honorina Hyman, but how can you not? So next time we are together for Align with Zion and Align with Zion Hour, we're going to talk about uh, the almond tree and the promises therein and how we're coming out of darkness into God's promises. And this is an encouragement for you, my friends. And Honorina, thank you for uh, helping us with this Align with Zion and Align with Zion Hour. My listening friend, I will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ San Marcos Poway and K29CR Encinitas. FM 106.1 North County. AM 1210 San Diego. K-Praise. I'll tell the world. Come Together San Diego with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world. 
And hello, my friends. And guess what? This is a remarkable hour because I've got someone from Israel to join us, but not only just a someone. (laughs) This guy's name is Chris Mitchell. He's one of the most remarkable journalists and broadcasters I've ever met. He's the uh, Middle Eastern Bureau Chief with CBN. Uh, Of all, you know, you talk about Israel, you talk about things surrounding Israel. He's the guy. And uh, he has Jerusalem Dateline Weekly. And you can tune in and see that as well. I've always appreciated him because he is not only a guy in the know, he's the guy with the heart after God. So, Chris, good to have you and talk with you again after a little while. Yeah, Kaz, it's great to be with you again. The last time was... Uh, here in Jerusalem, actually, in uh, the CBN Bureau. Yes, yes, yes. And we had fun chatting yeah. about things. I think at that time, Chris, we were talking about uh, uh, peace plan. And um, we're, I guess we can still talk about it <laughs> because uh, um, sometimes time moves very slowly, doesn't it? That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems uh, the peace plan seems quite remote now because it's been delayed uh, time and time and time again. And it looks like it may not be... Uh, uh, if it does come out next year sometime, because the Israeli political system has been so fractured for uh, literally the last couple of years. Yes. So, uh, it seems like a long time ago, and a lot of other things have been happening here exactly. in the Middle East. But sometimes, I, yeah, as you step back and you look at the bigger picture after the fact, like, a, you know, uh, an armchair quarterback, you go, oh, that was setting up this, which is setting up this, which is setting up this. God's eternal plan is to bring his kids back to him in that intimacy. So all these things that were written aforetime were written, as the scripture says, for our admonition and for our learning. So, mm-hmm. uh, Chris, let's just spend just a moment of time telling our listening people in San Diego County the who, why, what, where, when, and how of Chris Mitchell, CBN Middle Eastern mm-hmm. Bureau Chief. Chris? Well, I came here uh, in August of 2000. Uh, the very first time I came here was actually in 1996. Came on an uh, assignment by CBN News to do several stories. And when I came here, I kind of fell in love with the land uh, and the city of Jerusalem and the people here. Uh, not knowing, uh, my one regret at the time, Kaz, was that my wife and three children uh, were not able to be with me. So, yes. But not realizing, actually, four years uh, later, in August of 2000, uh, all of us would be, we arrived here in August, and uh, I began the uh, CBN News Bureau, and I've been doing it uh, almost 20 years. Oh, my. amazing how fast time it's gone. Yes, yes, yes. But I think we talked about before when I was interviewing you actually in Jerusalem that uh, you you are convinced that God has placed you there for this time. And I know there's a reverent concern that that I do it right. I don't make a big mistake in my calling. I'm with you in that, too. Every time we open our mouths, we realize that we we have to be speaking for the higher power and not of our own. So, no, that's true. And, and in fact, I, I felt probably more than uh, many decisions in my life that uh, that we felt this was the, the place to come. My wife and I certainly prayed and fasted about the decision to bring our family uh, here to Israel. And there was one remarkable time I remember. I think it was 1997. Uh, I was uh, at, a, at a meeting here in Jerusalem. It was my second assignment to uh, to Israel. Uh, and people, some people might remember a Bible teacher named Derek Prince. Oh, yes. And, uh, he was giving a, a sermon or a message, and he related a story that in 1948, uh, he was leaving the British Army, and he was telling an elderly Jewish woman 
He wanted to move to Jerusalem. And she said to him, Derek, you don't choose Jerusalem. Jerusalem chooses you. <laughs> and I really felt in my heart, Kaz, that that was words to, to me personally. And I uh, took that to heart. And it was just three years later, we actually came here to Jerusalem. Oh, my, my. And uh, the, one of the mainstays that you're involved with, of course, you do different things, different assignments for a CBN. But also your consistent assignment is Jerusalem Dateline. Uh, we have uh, probably four or five minutes left in this segment. So why don't you begin describing how that goes? You you uh, post the news and sometimes it's the news before the news and sometimes it's the news during the news <laughs> and sometimes it's the news after the news. You're in a remarkable place. Jerusalem yeah, Dateline. Is, uh, yeah, Jerusalem is a remarkable place. So many years ago, I, I, I could tell that you really can't just tell uh, what's happening here in maybe three, four, five-minute story that we, we typically do for the 700 Club. That's one of our main uh, priorities. Uh, so we had hoped to put a, a half-hour show together and, uh, and to be able to tell more in-depth of yes. actually what's happening, uh, whether it's an in-depth interview or a longer story that tells some of the history, some of the context of what's happening in here so that we could help inform and educate uh, our viewers and listeners, uh, you know, what's happening. And I, I think that's a, we think it's a great service to be able to do that. And uh, so week by week, uh, we put out a program and we have this, uh, this particular show uh, done. And uh, it, it really gives us an opportunity to help people to be like the sons and daughters of Issachar, who the Bible says they understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. Yes. And uh, so that's what we, we try to do week by week and um, educate, inform, sometimes even inspire people uh, who tune in. Yes. And my listening friend, I guess <clears throat> you know you're talking with the voice of uh, a tremendous amount of experience in, in the Middle East. He's, he really is a go-to guy, and every time I talk with him and I ask him a few questions, he's, 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 he's pretty well aware of what's going on, not only in the current, but also the biblical background that uh, supports the current. So I really honor you for that, Chris. You know, we're gonna, there, there's so much going on. As I was thinking about interviewing you today, I'm going, man, we could talk about so many different things. We could talk about yeah. the things that are going on in Judea, Samaria, um, the different sure the announcement by Mike Pompeo, yeah, Pompeo's wonderful. announcement about uh, not only Judea Samaria but also the the uh, Eastern Jerusalem not illegal <laughs> settlements are not yeah, illegal exactly. I mean that that's kind of turning things are uh, you know the Obama mentality completely on its head isn't it yeah a huge reversal and and you made a great point uh, Kaz about the Bible because I think. What we can do through Jerusalem Baitline and CBN News here in Jerusalem is uh, include a biblical perspective. Yes. Uh, you know, I don't think you really can understand the Middle East, Jerusalem, and Israel uh, unless you try to understand the Bible as well. Uh, for example, you know, many many people in the world consider Judea and Samaria the West Bank. Now, if you just simply look at it from a political international law point of view, you know, you, you could call it the West Bank. But if you see it also as Judea and Samaria, it gives a whole new level of understanding when you realize that this is the biblical land of Israel, yes. where Abraham was, and, and the, the uh, Joshua, the 12 tribes, David. Uh, you know, you can go through your Bible and, and see 
that uh, this is the land of the Bible, and the West Bank is really the biblical heartland of Israel. So when Mike Pompeo makes the statement that the Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria are not illegal, uh, you know, you can look at it from an international law point of view, but you can also see it from a biblical perspective, and That's that, true. I think that adds a whole new level of understanding. It does, and, and the whole world right now, I mean, and, and from one standpoint, you go, you got to revere international law, and on another point, you go, international law, what are you talking about? We have to be concerned about our own nation, you know, and the welfare of our nation, and you're pulling, pull, you know, particularly as it relates to Israel, and maybe even in the near future, more so with the United States. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, these international laws, you're trying to make this the one world uh, mentality when we're believing for, yes, uh, one world, but it is not driven by <laughs> the, the the present day governmental structure. This is uh, called Messiah. Come back soon. <laughs> exactly. And even from the international law perspective, Kaz, you can look at it this way. A lot of the people say, well, that's occupied land. Well, if you really study the international law, I think you, at the very least, it's disputed land. And yes, uh, at the very know, least. In the two parties. Exactly. And, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with the different, uh, uh, you know, the over oversight of uh, Great Britain for, for a season and uh, the Turkey and, uh, you know, the Ottoman Empire and Jordan. Yep. All these different things play yep. a role. And so and, and so uh, what you have to really just go back to God's from we as Christians, we go back to God's original plan for this promised land mm-hmm. and who it was designated for, period. Done deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're running out of time. And when you look at it. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. sorry. No, and when you look at it from a prophetic, prophetic uh, perspective, you know, you'll talk to many of the Jews there in Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria. They feel like they are returning, just like the prophet said 2,000 years ago back uh. Uh, to their ancestral land, the promised land. Yes, yes, yes. These and many more topics uh, with uh, Chris Mitchell of CBN, the Middle East Bureau Chief, and I, when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. And back again with Chris Mitchell, CBN Middle East Bureau Chief uh, in Jerusalem, in and around Jerusalem. He goes all over the place. Uh, last time I spoke with you via email, you were in an, you had to say, we're in an undisclosed area. We're not allowed to say where we are, but we're collecting news. Be in prayer. So let me start this segment, uh, Chris Mitchell, out by uh, uh, we've got a, a, a large group of people that listen uh, here in Southern California. If they wanted to be praying for you and CBN and the things that are going there that, that uh, God has put you in the center of, what, what in, in a few words, would you like to say for them to pray for or over? Well, Kaz, first of all, thank you very much. It's a great question, and we, we do need prayer. If there's any one thing that has kept us uh, any success we have has to go to the Lord and the people that pray for us and intercede for us. So uh, what I come to prayer for would be wisdom uh, and to know where to be at the right place at the right time and uh, understanding of the times uh, to know what to do and how to use our resources and to tell the, the story that's on his heart. Yes. Uh, somebody put it to me uh, not too long ago, you know, 
you don't want to be uh, led by the news cycle, but by the Holy Spirit cycle. <laughs> uh, I thought that I was pretty it. good. I love it. I and, love it. I love it. And that might lead you to uh, to other stories that that might not be on the the agenda of the uh, the other news media. And but I think that's uh, if it it's where God wants you to be. I think that's the best place to be. So wisdom, understanding, being in the right place at the right time, and certainly protection, uh, oh, depending on where we might be. Well, my listening friend, I hope you've gotten God's mandate through the voice of Chris Mitchell at CBN. Uh, the people in the Middle East all need prayer, but uh, as a bearer of the news, I think uh, Chris Mitchell and the CBN team there uh, need a double portion. So thank you for mm-hmm. doing that, my listening friends. Well, you know, I was thinking that there's so many different directions we can go here, but one of the things that has been a challenging thing, I've observed you and, and how you've had to deal with this, but uh, Syria, Turkey, and the Kurds, you know, the Kurds have been very much uh, a staple in uh, thwarting ISIS and uh, standing yeah. uh, the ground, and there are a, a fair number of Christian Kurds as well, so when, you know, th- this volatility that's going on in the, on, in the border area... Mm-hmm. You, you know, uh, between Turkey and, and Syria, this middle zone there, when Trump says he's going to take, uh, take the uh, American influence out of that area or remove it or move it, you know, relocate it. Uh, a lot of Christians were apprehensive about that, thinking, you know, yeah. we know the Kurds and we know uh, a lot about how they have supported America and, uh, you know, or freedom so how, how do you abandon them i mean and you were right <laughs> i watched you you were right in the thick of this and cbn uh, cbn and 700 club and pat robertson had to make make decisions about how to make the stand for things like that so mm-hmm. you, there you are in the thick of it and and maybe you asked the question a time or two how do i properly report this tell us that story chris mitchell well uh you know that the whole the situation began, I think, uh, the most recently, October 6th, when there was a telephone call between President Erdogan and President Trump. Uh, apparently, it seems uh, that President Trump gave at least a green, if not a green light, maybe a yellow light to um, President Erdogan to go into northeast Syria. And, uh, and actually, what he had proposed is sort of an ethnic cleansing of that region. Uh, you know, Kaz, it really, for me, it goes back to December of 2018 when uh, President Trump originally said that he was going to withdraw U.S. troops uh, out of out of northeast Syria. For many in the Middle East, that, that was sort of an alarm. Uh, bells went off that what would that do to that region? So we had the privilege and opportunity to go up there in January of 2019 and ask the people themselves, how are they feeling, and, and what would this mean if the U.S. Uh, pulled out? And, you know, Kaz, almost to a person, they, they were most concerned about an invasion by Turkey uh, for two reasons. First of all, uh, if you go back even earlier into a place called Afrin in early uh, of 2018, the Turkish army, along with a jihadist army called the Free Syrian Army, uh, took over a place called Afrin, uh, ethnically displaced, maybe about 300,000 Kurds and other ethnic minorities. Uh, they burned churches and they hunted down Christians. Now, that was an example, we were told, of what could happen if Turkey invades. 
they also have a historical memory because many of the people that live along this border in northeast Syria between Syria and Turkey are ancestors, grandparents or or great-grandchildren of uh, the people who suffered and died in the Armenian genocide. And so they have a historical memory of what could happen. So after this phone call on October 6th, on October 9th, uh, Turkey did invade, along with a mercenary army that are filled with uh, partly uh, ISIS members, jihadist members, who came and they have been ethnically cleansing uh, a strip of land in northeast Syria. Since then, uh, maybe about as many as 300,000 people have been displaced. Christians have had to flee their homelands. Uh, Some of their properties have been uh, confiscated. Uh, A a few, several hundred people, civilians have been killed, many more wounded. And uh, and really, it's a battle, in my mind, uh, for also the uh, burgeoning democracy, which is something that we discovered when we were there on the ground. There was a democracy that had uh, grown up and uh, was blossoming in that area, and now that's in peril. Uh, so it's really, to me, it's been a tragedy that uh, that has been unfolding and still is unfolding uh, before our very eyes. And, yes. uh, and now that winter is, is closing in, uh, they're talking about an even greater humanitarian crisis uh, with many of these people uh, without proper food and, and shelter. Uh, so that's been a really... Uh, difficult story to to see unfold and a uh, a challenging story to report on. Um, And because a lot of people, you know, who who really respect and follow and agree with President Trump, this was one decision that a lot of people uh, really disagreed with. I know Senator Lindsey Graham, for example, there's another Senator Van Hollen from Maryland, uh, really disagreed with the president that uh, we had abandoned our main ally in the battle against ISIS, the Syrian Democratic Forces, uh, which has, uh, you know, consequences beyond just that particular conflict. Yes, and, you know, there have been some comments about a uh, a, a temporary uh, a ceasefire and things like that, and I think that was only true in word and not necessarily in deed. But uh, one of the things that I... I I, I kind of had to smile a little bit about it was as Trump goes, yeah, we're getting out, we're getting out. And then just, just days later, he does some sneak attack and all of a sudden the ISIS head has been taken out. <laughs> so right. I, I, right. I, so it's, it's hard, really, you know, when you're talking about uh, politics and history on a global scale, sometimes it's really hard to know what one little motion or one little comment can do, can, you know, strike that match. Or sometimes it can quell something that is of a bigger threat. It's really hard to know. So you as a news guy, a journalist guy, have to be right in the thick of it and, 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 and a re- report. You have to stay in the now and say, here's what's going on. But you, uh, because God, God has breathed in you, uh, he, he's given you some nuances that you can add uh, color along the way. Uh, one further thought here in this. We've got about two minutes left in this segment, um, Chris Mitchell, regarding what's going on in the just north uh, of, of Israel and the the posturing that's going on there. You've got uh, S- Syria up there. You've got Turkey up there. You've got Iraq and Iran, and you've got all these different uh, 
uh, countries with ulterior motives, perhaps, from uh, Israeli perspective. Uh, give, give us an overview of uh, God's intervention in the area, and then we'll delve into a billion other topics in the remaining segments. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I, I, I know we'll probably be talking about Israeli politics, but in the midst of, uh, of the difficulty of Israeli politics, Israel is surrounded by enemies, including Hezbollah, which is maybe 150,000 rockets. Several months ago, we were in one of their terror tunnels that they had dug from uh, Lebanon into Israel. Thankfully, the IDF or the Israel Defense Forces were able to discover that. But Iran itself has a goal to uh, really build a military land bridge all the way from Iran to the Mediterranean, and they want to destroy the Jewish state. Uh, and they are doing what they can, whether it's establishing bases within Syria or activating maybe Islamic Jihad in the Gaza Strip or supplying the Houthis in Yemen with strategic uh, guided missiles. Uh, all of this is designed to, to destroy Israel. They say it quite openly and they say it often. And uh, that's probably the main threat to the Jewish state right now and uh, why it's so important to be praying for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. Oh, yes. Pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. Wise words, Chris Mitchell. Chris, stay with us as we come out of the, the break. Uh, we're going to talk about you. You mentioned it. I think it was a prophetic word. You know we're going to talk about politics. Well, indeed, we are. When Chris Mitchell of CBN, the Middle East Bureau Chief, and... Uh, Jerusalem Dateline, along with me, your host, Kaz. We will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. Don't just listen to it, be a part of it at 866 577 2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K Praise. Hello, San Diego. This is Rick Sines from uh, Red Seal Ministries. I just bless you and ask you just to receive the love of the Lord at this time, uh, this open season we have in San Diego. Come together, San Diego, with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. And I'm back with Chris Mitchell, CBN Middle East Bureau Chief and Jerusalem Dateline. This guy is immersed in what's going on in Israel, but he has such a heart cry for the United States as, as well. Chris, uh, I know that you uh, love Israel so much, you want to encourage everybody that you know to at least spend a little bit of time there, and you've done something to move that heart cry forward. Talk a little bit about an upcoming tour that you have. Yeah, well, uh, Kaz, I'll be hosting a tour next uh, next year from June 12th to the 20th. Uh, it's called Israel Through the Eyes of a Reporter Tour, and the idea is to help, uh, you know, share the Israel that I know for the last 20 years or so uh, with people, and, and hopefully the insight and understanding uh, about what's happening in the region. And so if you want to know more about uh, what's happening in the Middle East, or if you've never been to the Holy Land itself, uh, I would invite people to come along and uh and hopefully share those experiences, understanding, and to be able to see the biblical sites, as well as talk about, uh, you know, current events and how they fit into biblical prophecy. 
uh, oh that would all be part of the tour. Can you imagine, my friend, going on a tour with Chris Mitchell, who's, who's not only been in the front of the camera, but behind the cameras and at the places where news has happened, where different excavations and discoveries have happened, where different conflicts have happened, and uh, conflicts that foretell a bigger conflict in the future from a biblical standpoint. I mean, how wonderful a seeing Israel and the Holy Land through the eyes of a reporter and a website or a way that people can find out more about this, Chris Mitchell? Uh, Noseworthytravel.com. Again, noseworthytravel.com, and you can look for one of the uh, tours on Israel, and you should be able to find it there. Well, spell noseworthy for me, because, you know, as as a guy who loves the <laughs> word, I go, it could be nose, as in uh, you shall know the truth, K-N-O-W. Oh, there you yes. go. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. N-O-S-E-W-O-R-T-H-Y travel t-r-a-v-e-l dot com noseworthytravel.com very good very good and uh, people can find out more about that and I, I really wholeheartedly this would be what a kick if I'm in Israel at the time I'll just go hey Chris how you doing how's the tour going come I'm, along <laughs> <laughs> okay well it's time to talk about that uh, that other topic that you're not allowed to talk about in uh, your Thanksgiving dinner times and, and Christmas dinner times and uh, other family retreat times and things like that. Do not talk about politics. Well, we're going to violate that right now. Uh, the political picture in Israel is tenuous at best. Oh, by the way, the political picture in the United States can be tenuous at best as well. Sometimes you wonder, Chris, if, if uh, this is a, a common denominator that God is orchestrating uh, in several different places all at the same time with a bigger message. So give us kind of an overview. This, you know, this program may be broadcast a number of different times, so I don't want to be too uh, time specific on this, but uh, mm-hmm. there are major things that have never happened before in regards to elections in Israel, uh, many, many parties and so forth. Why don't you take the mantle here and kind of give us an overview of the things that are going on and where they might lead or who knows? Chris Mitchell. Yeah, well, sure. First of all, Kaz, the, the similarities between what's happening in Israel and uh, the United States are remarkable. You have uh, two of the leaders, President Trump and Prime Minister Netanyahu, both saying that uh, the investigations against them are either a coup or a witch hunt. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, did say uh, when he was indicted by the Israel's uh, attorney general that they need to investigate the investigators. And that sounds pretty familiar uh, <laughs> yes. for people uh, listening to President Trump. Uh, to give you an overview uh, we are in uncharted waters politically for Israel. These things that have never happened in their modern history are happening right now. Um, not to date it too much, but right now, uh, after the election in September, there was uh, uh, an inability of first Prime Minister Netanyahu, followed by the leader of the next uh, largest party, uh, Benny Gantz, the blue and white party. Uh, actually, they might have had one more seat, but neither of them were able to form a coalition government. So for the first time in Israel's history, uh, there's a 21-day period where the Knesset can actually form a government. So really, there's 120 Knesset members, any one of them, if they can get together 61 seats to follow them, uh, they could become the next prime minister, form a new coalition government. Now, it's unlikely that's going to happen, but uh, that is a possibility. Sure. If that fails, 
then Israelis will be going back to the polls for the third time within a year. Again, that's something that's never happened totally. in Israel's history. Uh, so that will probably be coming next March. Yes, but- uh, And part of that is a reflection of the division within Israel. Uh, you know, and just like, like the U.S., again, is uh, very divided. Uh, Israel is as well between left and right, between religious and secular. And uh, and some people wonder if Israelis go to the polls for the third time, is anything going to change? Uh, so yes. it, it remains. But the one factor has that really is different is going to be the fact that uh, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, if he's still running, will be uh, will have an indictment against him and how that factors into Israelis who are voting remains to be seen. And let me just add one other challenge to Benjamin Netanyahu is that he faces internal opposition within his own Likud party. Yes. And uh, there's challenges to him and he needs to weather those challenges uh, before he can really face the, the next election. Yes, in the United States, uh, this, the Christian component in the United States m- most uh, really ha- closely embrace uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. They they see him as a sensible, sensitive guy. Of course, in Israel, there there are so many. You say so many different factions and fractions that uh, you have different people aligning different places. One of my uh, Orthodox Jewish friends smiles when we talk about politics because she says this is an opportunity for Israel to actually cohabitate with one another. And uh, so, you know, in, in past. Uh, administrations, one party, not only one party, but one of uh, factions within the party, uh, maybe talking about the ultra-Orthodox Jewish g- group of people would, you know, kind of uh, leverage the party in directions that many of the other people didn't want to go. But because of the way that uh, Israel politics is, you have to have the 61 seats. And if somebody abandons mm-hmm. your group, <laughs> then you're wanting. So, I mean, there's been quite an unusual uh, political leverage going on. And, and this continues. Uh, l- let me have you talk just very briefly about another uh, issue, too. And I, it's called, the, is it called the Joint List? This is a group of Arabs. Yes. Uh, I right. think about 13, 13 seats held uh-huh. in the Knesset by That's these right. uh these Arabs and many of the others in the Knesset say, you know, we don't particularly want them privy to some of our uh, strategies for warfare and things like that, because who knows? We know in the United States we, what we call leaks happen all the time, <laughs> and uh, you're just kind of right. asking for trouble there. So uh, you've got all these different factions. You've got the uh, the conservative party, the Likud party, and you've got the blue and white party. Some people identify that as left, but I would say more centrist party. And then you've got parties on, on the left as well. So interesting things happening here, especially when you've got, what is it, 42 or, or 45, whatever na- different groups that are vying for seats in the Knesset. This is amazing. That's right. And, and to your point about the joint list, it's uh, it's not as if they, they don't want necessarily Arabs to join the government, but you some of these Arabs are opposed to the existence of the Jewish state. So when you try to uh, incorporate, uh, you know, individuals like that into the government, it's counterproductive, uh, uh, to say the least, if if you have members that don't even uh, you know think Israel should exist. So that's part of the reason that the Arab parties have never been part of an official government. They have served in the in the, in Knesset, the Knesset since the very beginning, uh, 
But uh, no cabinet positions is what you're saying, right? No, and they haven't. Uh, but for the first time, I believe in uh, in history, Israel's history, they did recommend uh, Benny Gantz uh, to, sh- uh, at least after the first election in April, they recommended Benny Gantz would uh, be the one to form a government. That's never happened before. Uh, he wasn't able to do that. But, but that shows you the change in some of the uh, Israeli politics. Yes. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the, in the uh, last segment, uh, Chris Mitchell. But there's another component here that I know you would like to talk about. We, you know, we talk about uh, politics. We talk about prophecy and things like that. And sometimes it's hard to keep that in line with humanitarian heart cries. You know, <clears throat> we Christians, we embrace prophecy in the coming to pass of prophecy, and we we embrace democracy and the republic and things like that. So we you know we have preconceived notions on things like this. But when you include the human factor, like uh, human uh, human dignity and uh, protection and things like that, it puts a different slant on the story. So would you join me in this last segment, Chris Mitchell, and we'll talk about some of those things and see where Holy Spirit wants to put a period <laughs> at the end of this sentence, Chris Mitchell. Sounds great, Dan. Okay, my listening friends, Chris and I, will be right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Kaz Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. Do you believe this entire one-hour portion of uh, Come Together San Diego is almost over. This is the last segment. We have my co-host and growing friend, Chris Mitchell, CBN Middle East uh, Bureau Chief, and you're right on the thick of what is going on there, and we talked about during the break, Chris Mitchell, about, you know, we Christians, we, we know about Scripture, and we know that there's things that have to come to pass before the Lord returns, and so we have to weigh the desire for the Lord to return against all the humanitarian issues that happen between now and then. Yeah, I think, as that really hit home in the last several weeks. Uh, when I've been reporting on what's happening in uh, northeast Syria and this Turkish invasion, uh, it, it became personal for me because I knew I know as people that are in harm's way. I, I can tell you about a pastor and his wife that had to flee their church in a, in a major city in Syria. They're right now in a refugee camp inside uh, Iraq. Uh, you know, we were able to uh, some. Uh, people here in uh, Jerusalem were able to actually take up an offering to help them take a, a private cab and then get across the border. Uh, so when we're talking about major events like uh, this invasion, Turkish invasion, uh, you know, a lot of people look at that and they think, well, maybe this is a precursor to the of, of events in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Those are pretty heavyweight events, it. aren't they? Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Exactly. And they might see it uh, as, uh, you know, sort of uh, pieces of a chessboard. And I, I understand the, the uh, fascination, the interest uh, of prophecy unfolding in the Middle East. And yet I feel in the midst of all this, we need to realize and remember that in these tumultuous days and likely to get perhaps even more tumultuous that real lives are in harm's way, real lives are being affected, 
people may lose their homes. They may lose a relative. They may be injured. And in the midst of all this, I think we have to reach out in the compassion of Jesus to be his hands and feet, whether or not we can go ourselves or we can uh, help people that are going, uh, whatever ministry it might be uh, that, that really is on the ground. And so I think, you know, praying obviously would be the first thing, going if you can, the second, giving if you can't go, and then raising your voice uh, in whatever sphere of influence you have, uh, and however that might be, whether it's a uh, a call to the White House, a, a message to your representative or senator that could have an impact on what's happening on the ground with real lives. And, and that's really been brewing in my heart, Kaz, the last uh, last several weeks because of what's been happening. Because of the personal uh, uh, advantage, I guess, I have of, of seeing that, but I, I just felt like that's important for people to remember uh, the people on the ground, uh, the people that Jesus loves, and uh, that he died for, yes. and, and to be able to reach out and with his compassion uh, to those in harm's way. Yes, and as we step back, I'm, I am I love eschatology, as you know, because I've uh, asked, when in our private moments, I've asked you a billion questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but eschatology, you know, the, the coming to pass of, uh, one of the things that I'm looking for, and I'm, I'm looking for, visuals of that in the Holy Land, and that is the one new man, the Jew and Gentile coming together. And, uh, you know, you know, like early in the in the book of Acts chapter two church, I mean, there was a lot of vying back and forth between the Jews and the newly introduced Gentiles to the big plan. And uh, people had to get their hearts and brains right. And there was a lot of, you know, a lot of. Variants going on there. Can anybody say the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? I mean, all this is right in the thick of things, and God is orchestrating all these things together. So give us kind of an oversight of how you have to deal with these. You know, you're dealing with the politics, but you're also dealing with Scripture, and how do you personally find that balance uh, between that and, you know, just good, uh, solid news that may not be necessarily tied to Scripture, although you and I know, Chris, every time you, there's a significant news event, you can dig in Scripture and you can go, oh, there it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in our reporting, uh, it's, it's, and I, I remember a, uh, a meeting many years ago at CBN about, uh, I think it was Bob Slosser, who was a, a New York Times editor at one time, and he was the uh, the head of Regent University at the time, it was called CBN University, where he made the point that, you know, the Bible is a legitimate source. So if you do any, an archaeological story and, and they find a seal uh, that has the name of somebody from the Bible, or if you say, as we talked earlier, you know, about Judea and Samaria, that's a legitimate uh, talking point or, or uh, thing to mention in a news story that, you know, many people, many of the Jewish people in that region in Israel see themselves as uh, living out uh, biblical prophecy. So I I think you can uh, quite easily here in Israel and the Middle East uh, incorporate what the Bible says uh, about what's happening. And and just let me add this one point, Kaz, uh, as we've talked about, you know, as we look at prophecy and try to understand prophecy, it's not just a a sort of a sterile puzzle to put together, but real lives are being affected is the other thing about the Middle East. It's very easy, I think, and, and I, I did it as well. You see one more uh, terror attack, one more 
suicide bombing and you just say, well, uh, I don't understand it all. It's just sort of like a muddled mess. Yes. Uh, but one thing to humanize is uh, to just humanize the people that realize are at stake uh, in, in this geopolitics and, uh, and try to remember that people realize, uh, just like you and I, uh, maybe a father trying to provide for his family, a mother trying to protect her uh, children, uh, real lives are at, at stake here. And, uh, and just to remember that as we look at the news yes. and, uh, yeah. Yes. Sometimes it's hard for me to, to step out of wearing one hat and into wearing the other hat. But uh, I appreciate you. You you have become very proficient in doing that. Uh, Jerusalem Dateline. Uh, how can people find that? Is it uh, CBN exclusively or is there YouTube? Are there YouTube representations of this? How can people find out more about this Jerusalem Dateline? Uh, the main thing they get Jerusalem dot com. It comes out every week and you can also go there and subscribe to it and you'll get it in your inbox every uh, Friday night, Saturday morning. Yes. And uh, that's an easy way to go. And, and uh, if you're wrapping up here, Kaz, I, I just want to remind people uh, how, how much prayer makes a difference here. To pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to pray for the peoples of the Middle East, uh, it, it really makes a difference in, uh, in what's, what's happening here. And I think that's a, a biblical, if talking about Bible, that's a biblical command uh, from the Lord to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I've got, we've got a few minutes left in this, so I'm going to take this opportunity to throw just little phrases of, of, of different things that have gone on recently because I'm a, a guy sure. who loves what's, what's going on in Scripture as well. And, and you, can, you may choose to major on one or the other. We only just have a few minutes. But, you know, as I sure. look at the discoveries... Come on, Chris Mitchell. The discoveries that are going on in the Holy Land, a lot of people, you know, that uh, are doing digs and archaeological things like that, they go, we need to follow the archaeological facts. And I'm going, why don't you step back and look at the scripture, which will uh, identify these facts before you discover them. And, you know, many archaeologists really do use the Bible as a key mm-hmm. descriptor on where things are, where things have been. For example, the Copper Scrolls, uh, fr- friend Shelley Neese and uh, Jim Barfield, they, mm-hmm. they're doing right. some excavation things about the, the, the Copper Scrolls, which really are a template for discovering other things. So they're going to be on the show uh, in 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 you know soon so this is something that uh, has always been interesting to me and the other discoveries like uh, they discovered an area about Edom uh, discovering Edom of the Bible mm-hmm. and the scripture that talks about and the Edomites shall come to know me says the Lord who does these things in Amos 9-11 and then uh, Elisha's house not Elijah but Elisha's house uh, just mm-hmm. south of Tiberias the Sea of Galilee discovered are you kidding me come on and then in, in the city of David uh, the, the different uh, Things that are, have found and the walkway from the Shalom pool up, you know, the, the hill of descent and things like that. Yeah, well, I would I would mention uh, two things. Uh, you've referred to one already, the pilgrimage road from the pool of Siloam all the way up to the Temple Mount. They're excavating it now. Uh, it's one of the major discoveries in Jerusalem. And this is a place that the Jewish guides will tell you as well. Jesus walked on from the Pool of Siloam. You can look at John chapter 10, where he healed the blind man. And uh, this is what Jews did 2,000 years ago. They walked from all the way to the Pool of Siloam up to the Temple Mount. Another one that is just stunning is up in Magdala, right on the Sea of Galilee. 
They've discovered a first century synagogue. And, you know, the Bible says that Jesus preached in all the synagogues around the Galilee. Yes. And uh, this is from the first century. Uh, you can't prove it, but almost undoubtedly, uh, Jesus preached in this synagogue. It was discovered in about 10 years ago and left really uh, just under a few feet of soil for 2,000 years to be discovered. Uh, and it's just remarkable what is happening in the last 20 years that I've been here, <laughs> these uh, ancient discoveries that prove the Bible. It's yes. amazing. Yes, yes. My listening friend, we're going to have to leave it at that. Chris Mitchell, the uh, CBN Middle East uh, Bureau Chief and Jerusalem Dateline host. Uh, thank you for joining us and, and spreading uh, God's Spirit through you to us as well. We can really appreciate your insights. And Jerusalem Dateline, my friends, look it up and watch it. My listening friend, we'll be back next week with another remarkable show. And you know what makes it remarkable? God and Y-O-U. We'll be seeing you next week. Thanks for joining Chaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise.